quite a tricky passage. Um, Nigel read it earlier on. Um, but it's all part of the series of encountering Jesus, knowing Jesus. And this is quite a weird one because um, it almost seems as if he's endorsing some dodgy practice and dodgy behavior. And I think we, in a way, if we have this picture of Jesus in our, our minds, um, you can't imagine him sitting down talking about commerce, about dodgy dealings, about, you know, we, we always see him in the sort of holy, righteous, the beatitudes, the feeding of the 5,000, the healings, the miracles. We see Jesus in that context. But for me, this really gave an insight into Jesus, the man, who really understood the ways of the world. Um, and that really touched me. So it's Luke 16, and I'm reading a bit from um, The Passion. Um, so it's Jesus teaching. And what I'm going to do is break this up a little bit into sort of four very brief sections. Um, just looking at the, the passage. So the dishonored, dishonest could be the shrewd. Yeah. Um, depending on which translation you're reading, the shrewd, the dishonest steward, and then in some passages they say manager. So this guy's in charge of a whole lot of wealth for somebody else. Um, then we look at what Jesus says about it, looking at stewardship, the choice we all have to make, it's one or the other. And then finally about the law, the prophets, and the kingdom. And then... After we've just sort of broken this up, shared a little bit, it was laid on my heart and it was confirmed again this morning in the, the prayer meeting earlier on that I'd like us to all talk about Jesus to each other. To really go back to that point of where Jesus captured our hearts and to share testimony because faith comes through hearing Okay, and we all, we're here because at some point in our lives, Jesus touched us. Yeah? He turned our lives around, our spirits were awakened in him, our sins were forgiven, and our shame and all of that was done and dealt with, and we became new creatures in Christ Jesus. So, I'd like us to spend some time, just a bit later, just sharing with each other. Don't have to do it publicly, I know people freak out at that. But how did Jesus touch you? Who is he to you today? Okay, so let's go. So Jesus taught his disciples using this story. There was once a very rich man who hired a manager to run his business and oversee all his wealth. It's the kind of job I'd like. Um, but soon a rumor spread that the manager was wasting his master's money. So the master called him in and said, Is it true that you are mismanaging my estate? You need to provide me with a complete audit of everything you oversee for me. I've decided to dismiss you. The manager thought, Now what am I going to do? 
I'm finished here. I can't hide what I've done, and I'm too proud to beg to get my job back. I have an idea that will secure my future. It will win me favor and secure friends who can take care of me and help me when I get fired. So the dishonest manager hatched his scheme. He went to everyone who owed his master money, one by one, and he asked them, how much do you owe my master? One debtor owed $20,000. So he said to him, let me see your bill, pay me now, and we'll settle for 20% less. This is really wheeling and dealing. Um, The clever manager scratched out the original amount owed and reduced it by 20%. And to another who owed $200,000, he said, pay me now and we'll reduce your bill by 50%. And the clever manager scratched out the original amount owed and reduced it by half. Even though his master was defrauded, remember this guy was going to be fired. Even though there was mismanagement, there was fraud, when the master found out about the shrewd way his manager had feathered his own nest, he congratulated the clever scoundrel for what he'd done to lay up for his future needs. Now, I found that exactly huge. I really chuckled at that. I mean, you'd think Jesus would be on the side of the manager. You know, the guy was wicked. He'd stolen. He'd defrauded. So what is Jesus' response So Jesus says, now he's telling the disciples this, yeah? And he says to them, remember this, the sons of darkness are more shrewd than the sons of light in their interactions with others. Now you'd think Jesus' next words would be, avoid at all costs, don't mix with those guys, not good people. Right? In my mind, that's what Jesus should have said. But he doesn't. He says it is important that you use the wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others. Then, when this world fails and falls apart, your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward. That really struck a chord with me, and I got to thinking about people like Moses. Yeah? Moses did time in the court, in the Egyptian court. Yeah? He was there with the wizards and the witchcraft and the funny gods. He was there, right in the center. Think of Joseph, who later became the ruler of all Egypt. Where did he do his time? Learning and understanding the world. Yeah? And he rose to become. The leader. Think about um, not Naomi, her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Yeah, very intentional. Where did they learn? They learned their stuff in bitterness, in journeying at the feet of a man who wasn't her husband. <gasps> yeah. So there are actually all these accounts through Scripture. What's the other one? Spent three years in a harem. Esther, milk and honey. Yeah. I mean, how very dare she? She was there to save the nation. But where did she learn all the stuff that would open the door in the end? In a harem. And sometimes we step back 
from those things where God is saying, you know what, you can actually learn from some of these people. But, but, it's for my kingdom. It's for my kingdom. That if you are managing wealth, if you are involved in decision-making about money, if we have our own personal budgets, which mine never seems to work, but how do we learn from these clever people? But take it. Put it under the blood of Jesus and make it a blessing for others. And for me, that really... You know, I could get it wrong. I've read all sorts of theories and theologies and everything about um, this. But for me, that really spoke to me because it's the world I live in. I don't work with Christians. I don't work with people that would even know about... I mean, I've said once they asked me a question. I said, well, I pray about stuff. (laughs) Are you kidding? No, I'm really... I can't do... (laughs) Yeah, And this is the sort of response, the world we work in and live in. This is the real world. And it's so comforting to know Jesus was there too. He knew, he understood. Yeah. So let's think about the next part. He goes on to talk about stewardship. Um, and this again really, really, whoops, spoke, spoke to my heart. Um, so he's teaching. And he says, the one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. Quite straightforward. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, Why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? And if you've not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? Whoa. This is serious guidance. Now, I mean, you know that I work in the world of ethics. Um, integrity Um, we talk a lot about transparency in everything that we do and this really comes down to the way we live our lives daily and it goes across everything if we think of um, our little gardens (laughs) what are we doing with our garden at home What are we doing with the money we work with? What are we doing in our workplaces? How do we steward those things that can be used for the kingdom of God? How are we doing it? Are we doing it? Some of you know I arrived in this country 20-whatever years ago. Four suit... uh, Three suitcases, a couple of trunks, 4,000 pounds. I had nothing, absolutely nothing. I had nothing to give. I was a broken woman, totally broken. I remember when um, one day at church, Dominic Beer tapped me on my shoulder and I nearly hit him. I sort of jumped away. 
because I was so afraid of men. I had nothing. And then the Lord spoke to me about having, um, opening my house, hospitality. Okay? And I thought, oh, you know, Lord, can't really start there. We should be doing something bigger. And he said, no, open your house. That's all you've got. Open it. <laughs> and I did. Spoke to the boss. Said, look, perhaps a house group. We ran an alpha course. We had all sorts of things going on. Some amazing people came through that, um, that whole session. Um, people that related to me that I could relate to because of my past history. And from there, things have grown. I've never been given personal wealth. It's an argument I have with the Lord on a regular basis. Okay? Maybe I'm not trusted. I don't think I am. My first project was £5,000. My second project went up to 10, 15, 25, and went out the million mark and busy in the process of developing a five million pound project for five years on climate change. I've often said this, <laughs> I am not qualified, but it is God. By just handing over that little bit, step by step, he has taught me these lessons He's taught me these lessons, little by little by little, and somehow it seems to grow. If, you have hand, if you've not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? And I really puzzled over this one this week. I'm, I'm talking to you, being very honest. I really puzzled about this. But Lord, that treasure is something different. You say we can ask for anything, we get it. So how does the sort of pounds and pennies on this side relate to that side? And again, it came down to the gifts of the Spirit. These are our treasures in heaven that Jesus opened the door so that we could have these treasures. Yeah? And it's how do we steward that? How do we steward that? How do we steward our intercession? How do we steward our prayer? How do we steward the relationships we have with heaven? How do we steward our relationships here at church? Are we encouraging, lifting up? You see, it, it, it may never grow beyond the house group. Yeah? But it's important. Because that's the spiritual side. These are the treasures we've been given. And how are we stewarding them for the next life? This again also struck me so powerful. And why I've brought it, broken it up is because sometimes we read through these things and we can almost quote these. Yeah, If you've grown up in church, you could quote the stuff. But actually to draw it out individually really brings it home. It is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You'll be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion. It is no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastically love one and definitely reject the other. It is impossible 
for a person to serve two masters. In the world in which I work, it's very easy to step into this idea of um, the savior complex. Yeah? It's so easy, so easy to step into the savior complex or the white complex. We're going into a country, look what we're doing, we're changing the world, isn't it great? And I'm daily reminded the person I serve is Jesus. I choose Jesus. And all I've got to do is walk the walk. We're there already, ish. Okay. One or the other, who are we serving? How are we stewarding, handling the wealth, those things that he's given us? What are we doing with it? And then you always want to look spiritual in the eyes of others. And oh yeah, I do. It's good. Yeah? I too can walk on water. I can pray in tongues. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, we step into church and there's this whole thing going on. Or, um, you know, when I'm nervous, I tend to laugh. And I laugh loud, this bellowing laugh. And um, before I speak at events or I'm running workshops or going into business meetings, I've had to learn to contain my laughter. Because at me, it's, it's, it's because I'm nervous, not because I think it's hilarious, okay? Um, so I have to learn to contain it. Um, and we can present this whole image that is so false, so false, yeah? Of self-importance, of righteousness, I mean, you, you name it. We can present this. We've got to get real, This is Jesus talking about real things, dodgy people, lack of integrity, lack of money, dealing with money. These are day-to-day things that all of us do. Yeah, he was real. Um, But God watches. He sees what's going on inside of us. And the very things that you approve of and applaud are the things God despises. And he's talking to the Pharisees. He's knocking the religious elite. Saying those things that you understand and that you're proud of, I despise them. And again, it's a wake-up call to all of us. (laughs) Are we being super religious and actually missing the poverty that's growing around us? The injustice that is growing around us? Are we overlooking women who are being beaten up by their husbands? And we say, but the, but the Bible says you're married, you stay with the guy. Sorry, I'm being controversial. But are we real in our living and looking at the things that are right in front of us? The homelessness, the starving, right in front of us. Is that what God despises? No. No. That's where his heart lies, with the poor, with those who cannot speak up. But this really, and I've added this in because I was supposed to stop, but heaven and earth will disintegrate before even the smallest detail of the word of God will fail or lose its power. What promise there is in this? What promise there is in this? 
Every word in this book is yes and amen. And these words will not fail. They will not fail. They bring life. They teach us and show us Jesus. I have found the last 12 months really difficult. Really difficult. Um, the workload, whew, you know, um, talking about Zimbabwe, you know, my morning could be six farms have gone bankrupt in Zimbabwe, the staff haven't been paid, can we help? Then we can go to Spain in Almeria. There's a problem on all the farms. Wages are not being paid. Then we can go to Morocco and deal with strawberries. Then we can go to Bangladesh that a factory has burnt and people were locked inside. Then we can shoot across to India and, you know, all sorts of drama there in these factories. And it's like, oh, how do you stop? And then dealing with seraphic arthritis, often I'll sit down and say, Lord, I really want to spend time with you. And then I wake up two hours later and I've fallen asleep. Okay, so I've really battled. But God really started to speak to me this week about my relationship with him. And he was saying, girl, I want you to be intentional about your relationship with me. I came back from Paris um, there was this massive sign of the Eurostarts in pink. Did you see it? It's stunning. And it says, um, I want my time with you. Yeah? And God's just been drawing me in and drawing me in. And uh, I spent time this week um, watching this new series, The Chosen. Have any of you heard of it? Okay. Absolutely stunning. It's a look at, it's a six-part series. They're looking for more. You download it. And it was like just being drawn into the heart of God. Because it's a look at Jesus' life, but in a very real way. <laughs> and it's a drama. Yeah? It's a Christian drama. And honestly, I sat watching each episode with just tears running down my face. And how incredibly human Jesus is. But how divine he is as well. And slowly but surely, throughout this week... I've just been drawn back into the heart of Jesus. I have fallen in love with him again. And I'm holding myself accountable to you as a congregation because I have got to become intentional about my relationship with Jesus. You know, we go on Facebook. I've got friends from childhood and, you know, we put the effort in. Yeah? We put the effort in to stay in contact. We put the effort in to phone each other, you know, every couple of weeks. Or we put the effort in when I notice somebody hasn't been on Facebook for a while. And I'll phone and say, what's up? And it's about that intention, about the relationship with Jesus. He's walked our walk, he's, he's lived our lives and he's not distant. He's not distant. He's with us. And it's about stewarding our relationship with him, with people, with wealth, with the environment, with our jobs, with our studies, 
at the heart of that is our relationship with Jesus. And I've put here the different things, but he means something different to each of us. And what I'd like, I know this makes people very uncomfortable, but it was confirmed earlier on in the prayer meeting, so we're going to do it. Um, and God's, Jesus has got this here. Yeah? But I'd just like you to just huddle. This is about our first love. Who is Jesus to you? How did you meet him? What has he done for you? Why are you here today? It's because of Jesus. So I'd like us just to share. And when the spirit starts to move, just minister to each other. Yep, just minister to each other. But share with each other why Jesus has you here today. What has he done for you? What does he mean to you? Can we do that? Yeah? Let's talk about Jesus. It's why we're here. It's why we're here. Let's talk about Jesus. Right, if we can start to draw our conversations to a close. Is there anything anyone would like to share very briefly? Just briefly. More widely with the congregation. Would you like to share something? One of the things that I'd like to share about who Jesus is to me, um, he is the answer. As simple as that, he is the answer. I've been, I was speaking to someone recently and who described themselves as spiritual. And I asked them, when you say spiritual, what do you mean by that? Can you, yeah, describe that to me? And they you know, a lot of people will describe themselves as spiritual. They won't necessarily say that they're a Christian or that they believe in God. But they will say that they're spiritual and that they believe in something that is um, all-seeing and all-knowing. Um, so this individual said that, I believe in some, someone is all-seeing, all-knowing, and I've spoken to spirits, and I've had readings, and so forth. And I said... Um, yeah, I, you know, um, I, I, I asked more questions like, who do you think you're channeling when you um, are having these readings? And then they said something all-seeing, all-knowing. I said, I also believe something's all-seeing, someone who is all-seeing, all-knowing, and I believe him to be God, the God of the Bible. And I said that, you know, in the day that we're living in, so many people are searching. They're, they're you know, people are hungry. They're looking for answers. And for me, that answer is Jesus. And it's for us, um, but it's for each person to have an encounter with Jesus. And us being Christians, we're salt and light. And, you know, we are the ones that can bring or introduce them to the answer who is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes. Um, I had sort of just... Obviously, it was shared. We, we want to pray with people if you want prayer or just keep ministering to each other, but anyone who'd like prayer. And really, the call is about the first love. 
And it says in Revelation, I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not. I also know you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent. Although to your credit you despise the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also despise, the one whose heart is open, let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying. Jesus wants our hearts. He wants to reignite our passion. He wants to reignite that first love. He wants to reignite those words that never fail. He wants to bless you. And it will be a blessing for us to pray for anyone if you want to receive Jesus for the first time, we'd love to pray with you. If it's been a week of battle and struggle and it seems like you're isolated from God, let's pray for you. And if you just want to get back to that point of love, we pray for you. I just want to end very quickly with this song, um, we're not going to sing it. We're just going to, all I once held dear, built my life upon, all this world reveres and wars to own, all I once thought gain, I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, Jesus, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, all surpassing gift of righteousness. Oh, to know the power of your risen life and to know you in your sufferings, to become like you in your death, my Lord, so with you to live and never die. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, my Lord. Amen.